Hello, Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. He's Juice, I'm Loose, and we got a big old dub to talk about tonight. Cubs win by a final score of 20 to 9. The 9 is just insulting because they got a four spot in the ninth. Anthony K, you are not available tomorrow. Jeremiah says he's DFA'd. <laughs> Um, who knows what's going to happen? Real score, as Jeremiah says, 20 to 5. Don't let anyone tell you different. Juice, buddy, before we get into all things baseball, some trade deadline talk. Obviously, that was today. Um, lots to talk about, my guy. But how are you doing, first and foremost? Doing good, man. Uh, ventured out in my backyard and watched a little bit of South Bend Cubs this, uh, this evening. Devers was fantastic, which is a great sign because he was a great pitcher last year coming back from injury. Um, got to see the debut of Shaw. He's uh, pretty impressive. Has a nice smooth swing. Seems like uh, if he can rake for the rest of this, he may find himself a double A next year. Uh, talking about a quick turnaround for him as a college player. Um, but yeah, man, doing good. Came back in after uh, dumping into the to the South Bend game to see that the Cubs are already up like five to nothing or five to one at that point. Um, that was during our stream. We had a nice uh, spaces, if you didn't catch that. We'll be doing a lot more of those with the Dinger Boys. want to just let everybody who's listening know that, that eventually one uh, one time or two times during a week, we're going to get together and talk about Cubs baseball with those guys and just kind of get some little collaboration. We know you guys have been asking for that, and uh, we're going to try our best to just get different names on, get different viewpoints and stuff like that. But I'm doing good, man, uh, hoping that – they saved enough runs for the next two because tomorrow is just as big as uh, today was. Absolutely, Juice. Uh, buddy, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I'm doing good, too. You know, Cubs big win tonight. I got a little bit of a bone to pick with the Cubs. Um, I was in attendance for last night's game, and they, they stranded some guys on base. They could have won that game, even though they only lost by a run. Again, I give them credit. They didn't quit. I mean, they they fought till the very end against that Reds team last night. Um, but then, of course, they burst out for 20 tonight and – my girlfriend and I, who my girlfriend went with me to the game last night, we're looking at each other tonight watching the game. And she goes, we picked the wrong game to go to. I'm like, very fucking clearly, very fucking clearly. But I'm good, man. I'm very comfortable right now. I'm rocking my uh, my homage T-shirt here that I love it. showed off the other night. When did you get this? Is the first time that I've, I think I've been on a show I with the, you. I got the friendly confines. I got the little bear that he looks like he's just chilling. Um, <laughs> I said he looks like he's doing something else i think you can infer what i i was getting at there he's just he's vibing man he's just vibing out waving the little w flag having a good old time that's um, awesome yeah it's a good shirt i love it but these shirts are awesome big shout out to the homage guys uh, again more official uh things i guess for lack of a better term uh coming on that here in the near future here from on tap sports Network. yeah and hey real quick if we're talking about our clothing i want to other side i want to uh just kind of promote the uh, Olympia Fields Country Club uh, BMW Championship coming up. Go ahead and buy tickets over there. You will find myself and a few of the guys out there um, covering the event. Um, we've done tons of golf coverage, and I definitely want to make sure that I uh, push some of our listeners over to that as well because I'll be jumping on the golf on tap uh, shows, preview shows to preview the course. And if you want to make some money, Joe Cheese will also be on that, and he always gives the uh, guys to play over the course of the week. So um, I'm going to jump on that and start promoting that because the BMW Championship is about two weeks away. Yeah, 
extremely great plug. Uh, be sure to follow the Golf on Tap guys. I think they'll be live tomorrow night, actually. Uh, it's mm-hmm. Mr. Joey Cheeseman Ricotta, as you all know him here, uh, and good friend of the program, Mr. Jack Bushman. They do a great job, and those boys have been on a heater all year. You want to make money on golf? Listen to what they're telling you when it comes to bets because those two do not miss Juice, Jeremiah says, how about that Bears defense? <laughs> Three field goals. I, I'm telling you, man, I, I, I joked about that a couple of times just in my own head throughout the game. I'm like, oh, this is fun. The Bears are up by two touchdowns. It's, you know, it's a great Sunday. That's exactly what I'm looking for. But Juice, what a game. What a game. This is exactly the type of response you wanted this Cubs team to have. Heimer Candelario making his re-Cubs debut, if that makes sense, um, with the team again tonight, wearing a little bit of a different number, rocking number nine. Um, same number he wore with the Nationals early this season. Uh, hell of a night for him, four for five for Mr. Candelario in this one. I mean, let's just go down the list of what everybody did. Talkman was two for three with four driven in. Nico Horner was three for six. Talkman also two walks tonight. Too, so that's real good for the OPP. Hap had a, a pair of runs scored and a hit and a couple of walks. I mean, Amaya with a pinch hit home run at one point. Ellie was three for six, three driven in. Yeah, two for four for Swanson with the five. Swanson is one of three of shortstops in 1950, including Ernie Banks, uh, to have two home runs and five ribbies in the same game. A little fun fact there. Wisdom with a pinch hit homer coming in late in the game uh, off the, the position player, uh, Molly. Uh, as we mentioned, Candelario going four for five. Morell was one for five. Madrigal two for four. Uh, and Barnhart even had a hit in this one. The only person... Uh, that technically made the lineup because they switched the whole DHs and all that weird shit. Um, Anthony Kay and Hayden Wesneski technically did not get at bats, so they're the only guys with zeros in the box score right now. Just kind of shows you what kind of night it was for the Cubbies. But Juice, you and I always sit here and we preach about low-stress victory, and that's exactly what this one was tonight. Yeah, it's nice, right? Uh, you know, they, the joke about all the football stuff is always nice. I know we're getting close to that. I viewed it as a uh, Caden McDown interception return for a touchdown. You know, oh. Cincinnati really didn't score these runs. The Cubs pretty much gave them these runs over the course of the night for a lot of them. I mean, you got four in the ninth in terms of K, who he's he's something else. The Cubs didn't add a lefty, but they're going to have to figure out something from that side yes. uh, if it's not internal or – I know for a fact that, like, there's a lot of guys that may be DFA'd over the course of the next couple weeks too. Maybe that's a possibility, but the Cubs are going to have to figure that out or find somebody who's better suited on the roster to be a right-handed type of guy, so you can use your guys like Light or your split, you know, your split relievers that seem to get out lefties as well who are right-handed. But they're going to have to figure something out on that. But yeah, Banner Nate, right? I mean, you really hope that. They can keep this rolling and, and two, like this is I think it's been understated how great the Cubs offense has been. I was reading the stat and I was talking with you off air about the Cubs were the leader in runs scored in July. 145 or 148. Uh hold on one second. Let me check my math. 145. And that's before you know a, a Candelario ad. There's some guys who were in and out of the lineup, you know, with injuries during that time. So I think Mitch from Dingers, when we were talking about our spaces, and Joey too kind of echoed it, 
adding can the Candyman, Mr. Candelario, into this just moves everything around to a nice, neat pile. And I know that it's going to get better because I think Seiya Suzuki is pretty talented, and I think he's going to hit better than he has over the course of you know the last month or so down the stretch. I think that there's a good chance that we see a better Seiya Suzuki. But now he's the type of guy up in that top of the line that you don't have to rely on. You saw you saw it tonight. Candelario is a difference maker bat. I mean, they were talking about it on all of these radio stations. There's a good chance that Candelario was the best traded, and the Cubs swooped in. And let's be honest here, man. Like, they didn't give up much no. to get Jamer Candelario. I mean, DJ Hurst, yeah, it's a lefty. Maybe it could have helped you fill that void of left-handed reliever in your in your system, but – you can pay money to get that too in the offseason. Sure. Kevin Made, yeah, that's the one that you circle and you kind of go, all right, I'm going to watch how his development progresses. Mm-hmm. But look at the Cubs' top 15 prospects. A lot of them are shortstops. Yep. A lot of them have more upside than Kevin. And I think as long as you develop one of those guys, you're going to be okay. And also they just signed Dansby Swanson to a seven year deal. So it's not like there's a place for him on this roster next year, or even the year after that, or even the year after that, let's be honest. It's like Dansby Swanson is entering the prime of his career. And if he can continue the stats that he's putting up, there is no place for Kevin. So the interesting thing that I think is the only missed note from Jed mm-hmm. was the left-handed relief. And agreed. I don't want to say that it's going to come back to bite him because I think that there's some things that can be done within the roster to help, you know, weather that storm of not having that on your roster. But World Series winning teams have that guy. And – that's why I think this team can win the division and maybe make some noise, but they're so close, but yet just a few tweaks here and there to make huge noise in a playoffs. But then again, like I say, it's get in, get some experience. Who knows? I mean, nobody thought that, you know, those that 90 or 80 what was it 86 win Cardinal team or 83 win Cardinal team was going to, you know, make the run that they did or, you know, there's, the Nationals the, the in 19, the Braves in 21. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of teams that you blink and you're like, how did they get there? You know, it happens. Well, and I think to, to your point there, Juice, you mentioned like, especially now with the new playoff format, this is the this is the easiest it's ever been to get into the playoffs. You just need a chance. You just need to get into the dance. Right. I was I was having this conversation, um, you know, with with uh with my girlfriend, ironically. And we were just talking about how the, the playoffs in each sport are so different, right? In football, you know, you played effectively a quarter of a season. You still kind of do. It's four games out of your 17. Hockey, ba- basketball, same thing, right? You're playing 20 to 24 games in the playoffs. If you go the whole way, that's a quarter of more or less of your season, maybe even a little more. It, baseball is the of the big four is the only one that you play 162 motherfucking games 
and then you play a 20-game sprint, and you say, who's the team that can get the hottest in 20 games when it's cold as shit outside, and you got to pitch, you got to play defense, and you got to hit home runs? That that That's what it is, right? And now the Cubs did that. They addressed the pop aspect of it. You know, I think in new baseball, you're going to see where the, the slap hitter still plays now in the playoffs, and you can get big hits that aren't necessarily just home runs. But – uh, you know, like you said, man, like all you need is a chance. All you need to do is get there. And right now they're playing good enough baseball, it feels like, to get there. Filmmaker12 here earlier in the comments saying how awesome the game was. Only thing he was bummed about was the four spot in the ninth. Uh, but otherwise, the lineup was working well, firing on all cylinders, and wants the Cubs to keep it going. Um, and, you know, Stay Clem here says, glad to say I didn't play. He needs a couple days off. And I think that's what it is, right? I think he just needs to be able to get his head right. Maybe he's he's ailing a little bit with that oblique again. Maybe just a couple days of rest is what the doctor ordered. Who knows? But I think the beauty of what you said, right, and, and echoing what Mitch and, and Joey said in our spaces a little bit earlier, too, Candelario just it, – he it's amazing what one piece can do to the lineup. Sure. It really is because, like you said, it just kind of shuffles everything in a little nicer than it looked before, right? They were that one one kind of difference-making piece away where you kind of looked at the lineup and went, hmm, okay, I like that lineup. Like, that can work. And I think with how good Talkman has been, I think it's okay for Saya to get a breather. And now you have a – you actually have a hard decision for Ross to make now because if Saya starts to play – anything capable of what we've seen him show flashes of all of a sudden you you've one guy out every single night in the lineup like you've 10 quote unquote I, don't, I won't say necessarily difference makers but 10 guys that are going to impact the lineup in a big way Gomes and Amaya have shown offensively they can get it done from the catching position Barnhart's really the only liability offensively that's left on the roster now like jeremiah says shame that mancini didn't work out jeremiah's just mad mancini didn't work out because i'm not <laughs> the damn mancini anymore because he's fucking gone but that's exactly what it is right like I, I really think this team just needed that one bat and it was like you said it, it's really fun to kind of step back and see what what transpired in the trade deadline and i know we're going to kind of transition that way here in a few seconds but you know the really, I agree. The one thing they really, really, really needed was a left-handed reliever. And I think Anthony K showed that in the ninth inning. And not to single him out, not to be like, shame on you, not to hit him with the shame, you know, shame bell, like Game of Thrones here because he had a bad ninth. But it just goes to show they don't have a reliable lefty right now in the pen. And I I, I agree and I understand people are, are talking about calling up Bailey Horn because he's in AAA Iowa. He's put up some very respectable numbers with the Iowa Cubs. But this was the opportunity to go get that guy. There was rumblings they were looking at Brooks Rally from the Mets, who would have made perfect sense. He's a sub-three ERA left-hander. That would have looked really good. I think Brett Suter from the Colorado Rockies would have looked really good as well. Same thing, a sub-three ERA lefty who he plays to contact. He likes to play to contact, and he can go multiple innings. Like one of those two guys to me would have been perfect. And I know I said uh, uh, earlier on, on the Bleacher Report stream that I was on today, if anybody didn't catch that, um, it might still be hanging around on the on the app there. But that's kind of what I tried to articulate in that stream. Of course, I wanted to go for some big names and, and say some crazy shit because that's the fun part. But really to me, the, the success to the deadline after what had happened, right, going out and getting – is it Qwis? Quas? Something like that. Jose Quas. I'm going to call him Quas. I can't wait till he comes in because then I'm going to get we'll the get idea a, from 
Yeah, Boogle <laughs> hit us with the, the phonetic spelling. But between him, between Candelario, I don't hate what they did giving Manny Rodriguez and Adrian Sampson a fresh change of scenery and freeing up some of that that AAA space in terms of pitching to promote guys. Now that we've gotten into that point of the season, you mentioned, right, Shaw and, and Rivera are now in high A, South Bend. A couple of the other college bats that they drafted are with Myrtle Beach. You know, we're starting to see some of the draft picks influx now into, you know, what's going to happen now over the rest of the season with some of the minor leaguers. That one lefty is all that I think they absolutely needed to get. And it's a shame they didn't get it. Filmmaker says company to add or needed another or need another starter, especially stroke keeps struggling 30 runs in his last seven starts. Uh, he says no way he would start him in a playoff game. We talked about it a little bit on our, on our spaces a little bit earlier juice and along the lines here with the, with the trade deadline talk, I, I'm sure we're going to revisit the the game here in a little bit. And, I'd even maybe discuss some points from Monday's game two before we we totally close this thing down. But let, let's talk a little deadline here. I I don't think the pitching the starting pitching market in the in the deadline was worth it. And I I, I want to hear your thoughts here in a second because here's what I think: the really the only pitcher that was floated out there to me that was worth a shit that was really truly going to make the Cubs better. Maybe two names. It was Erod from the Tigers. And Dylan Cease. And Dylan Cease would have probably cost you four top 30 prospects because he's a Cy Young level caliber pitcher with two years of control yet after this one. He probably costs you Wicks, Canario, probably another top 20 guy, and then a top 30 guy. I mean, it, that would have been a steep, steep trade for Cease. And realistically, that's a trade I would have probably accepted if it was for Cease. Realistically, you're probably looking at Horton and Alcantara leading that 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 package is what the White Sox would have asked for. So that was completely off the table. There's a reason he wasn't traded at the deadline because nobody was willing to pay what the White Sox were asking. But then you look around like, yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez is a nice name. And he, he ultimately vetoed a trade to the Dodgers. He said, fuck you. I don't want to go to L.A. But then Michael Lorenzen, was he going to really – sway the thing like the Phillies got him just because they needed depth pitching otherwise like the starting market was very underwhelming obviously outside of the big guns right Scherzer and and Verlander both on the move but of course they go to contenders the Rangers pay up with a a top 100 prospect so did the the Astros they did the same thing actually Astros gave up two of their top five to get yeah Savali would have been the other that if they were in on but they the Rays paid such a the number four prospect in their system so I think when you're talking about adding and the, and the Cubs are, we're, we're thinking they're entering their window, right? This is the, it's cracked. There's a chance that you can enter this a little earlier than you expected. This has a lot of feelings to like 2015, right? 100%. Like where they figured that their, their talent would, you know, need longer to develop. In this case, they didn't think that their roster was as complete as it, it's shown over the course of the last couple months. No way. I'm going to say this, though, Ron, and this is going to be, I, I hope, one of those cut clips of, would you, of Mr. Would you Juice say, here. Would you say it's going to be a juicy take? I think this may be my takiest take that I've ever taked in terms of on the show. I think that this division 
is the Cubs to lose at this point. Because if you look at what happened in the division, the Cubs made more impact moves than the Brewers and the Reds. And the, Cardinals got, and the Cardinals got worse. Sure did. And the Cardinals have a lot of games left. Pirates got Cubs. worse, too. The Pirates got worse. There's a lot of games against the Pirates still left. The Cubs play 22 or 23 games against these teams. The Mets, the Royals, the Guardians, the White Sox, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the St. Louis Cardinals over the course of this next couple. It is the Cubs division to lose if they can play a little bit over 500 ball against the teams like the Reds, the Braves, the um, Brewers. They're going to see the Giants. They're going to see the Diamondbacks at the end of the year. If they can play just a little bit above and take care of those teams that are not trying to win, and there's a lot of them down the stretch that are not going to try to win. And with Candelario in this, and I get, you know, hey, they didn't add a starting pitcher, but you know what their starting pitcher ad was in this this deadline? It's the pitching of, of Jamison Tyone that we've seen over the course of these last couple starts, and it's right. getting Marcus Stroman right. I This is the most important thing on this list. And Marcus Stroman needs to pitch like Marcus Stroman did prior to this whole London trip. The blisters, mechanics, whatever it is, figure it out. Be ready to go because the Cubs are ready to go. They showed you tonight. They've showed you all of July. They're just begging for him to get right. And if he can get right, that four that you can throw out there in a series – you can piece it together. Mm-hmm. And then you see the back end of the bullpen with, you know, Leiter Jr., who could be that reverse split guy. You see Edward Alzelay, you know, hunkering down that closer role. You see Javier Assad, who in his past, you know, runs in July has Dominant. been just, yeah. And then you start adding some of these names with, you know, high fastball velocity, goofy you know, or goofy windups. These type of guys are the ones that you're going to, you know, throw in to get a couple hitters in like a seventh inning in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Like these are these are the couple, couple of guys that they got over the course of this. But that Candelario move, to me, is way more impressive than anything that the Brewers did and anything that the Reds did if the Reds, the Reds really didn't do anything which I thought that was just asinine to me. I mean, why? That you're looking at a team that is, you know, entering their their window in a division that they have controllable assets for a long time and way less holes than I think the Cubs have. But I'm going to say this. With their experience, with the pitching rotation that they have, with the manager – that I think that they have I, – I think this is the Cubs division to lose at this point. That's a spicy take, but that's a that's a juicy take that I appreciate. And I'll tell you what, Juice, I, I have to agree with you. I think that's the crazy part about all of this, right? Because you've seen it tonight now. We, we've alluded to it most of the episode. You add that one bat to this group, 
that all of a sudden balances this thing out and makes it look really good on paper. And even if, if that is Heimer Candelario playing first base, I think he looks fine at first base. Yeah, he had a little little hiccup with that w- little scorcher toward him tonight, you know, at one point in the game. But overall, you know, made a nice play there at, at, with the first out in the ninth inning on a, a throw from uh, from Nico that, you know, was a tough play. And he was able to get to it. He's got experience at first. This isn't like he's a stranger to the position. Like you said, the Brewers added minimally. Chafin, which I agree, Chafin the Brewers is sickening. But, like, outside of that, they really didn't add a whole lot. Their pitching isn't the problem. They pitch enough. They don't score. Right. They don't score. I mean, let's let's look at it from a Brewer standpoint. I mean, going into this – this uh, this deadline, mm-hmm. they talked about adding Candelario. They talked about adding Eloy Jimenez to their right. to their lineup. They didn't add any of those guys. Nope. Their lineup is what it is. Over and and they have some rookies. They have some younger guys who can maybe you know light a light a spark in that lineup. But you know what happens with younger guys? We've seen it. We've seen it too. A lot of up and down. Mm-hmm. And. It's going to be a sprint to this division. And I'll tell you what, man, you get in these games in August and September with the division on the line, and you've never played one of those, it's different baseball. I'll tell you that. It's not easy. And you look over at the Cubs lineup and you go, oh, yeah, Dansby Swanson. He's been in a lot of those. Been in a lot of those pressure cooker ones. Ian Happ was here. During the Cody Bellinger, got a, a a World Series winning outfielder. Mm-hmm. Now you look at um, Nico Horner again was here. Jan Gomes, World Series winner. You look at their rotation. I mean, Justin Steele's never pitched in any of those, but Marcus Stroman's been in playoff games before, and Jameson Tyone pitched in New York, and as we know, Kyle Hendricks was lights out in 16 and almost the anchor for a lot of the Cubs, you know, playoff games that they needed to win. Yeah. It's different baseball. I'll tell you that. And when you can't score, it's, it's even more, you know, you need everything to work better. The Cubs have put themselves in a situation to where I think they have, the best one of the best you could go back and forth and probably the Reds with with all their talent it's young but I think it's really even with the Reds in certain in terms of say that like their lineup's close I think the Cubs are getting close in terms of matching with that but I'll take the the experience and the defensive you know side that the Cubs have and their pitching over over the Reds I, I would because you don't know what you're getting out of the Reds it's a lot of young guys because they're filling in because they've had some injuries. Right. And and that's kind of where we're at. And that's why the Cubs have been in these games these two day, two nights. Yep. I mean, let's be honest here, like no starting pitcher that's that's been in these two games for the Reds or any reliever has been impressive, other than you know, when they got to, to Diaz at the end of it. But I mean, he's only coming in if you're losing by one. You know, it's <laughs> it's the end of the game. You know, you've yeah. had eight innings to to beat up on anybody else, so yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I, 
and you know I've I've fought this this year. I was the guy who said they're going to win seventy eight. Mm-hmm. Going to be, and I fought this thing. Mm-hmm. But as this season has progressed, and nobody in this division has run away with it. No. Nobody. <laughs> the Cubs could easily have been sellers because the Brewers won ten more games than they should have, or the Reds. Same thing. Mm-hmm. But as this hangs in the balance, and you start to look at the man, you look at the schedule, and the schedule with the Cubs is easy. I mean, you still got to play the games, but I'm starting to think that there's a possibility that the Cubs are going to win this division, and it's theirs to lose. I think at this point, I really did, and that's crazy. If you would have told me that a month ago, I would have said, "Excuse me," I would have said, "You're nuts." That's the beauty of baseball juice. It can change in an instant. And, and you know what? To, to further your point, some comments here. Uh, just quickly, Scott prefacing that he meant GM, not go. But he says the Reds GM even came out and said they were going to buy, and they got nothing. They did not add anything. Jeremiah added about the Brewers. They also traded Luis Arias. Like, they they subtracted as well. The, it was kind of what the Diamondbacks did, right? They added Tommy Pham, but they subtracted Andrew Chafin, and they got – it was a, 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 a major league for major league deal with the Andrew Chafin deal for those that maybe didn't see it. So I agree. Nobody else in this division really got better. The Cubs did. You added a, a, a funky reliever, just like you said. You added quite arguably the best bat on the trade deadline this season because there was no Shohei Otani and Cody Bellinger. You have a hot Cody Bellinger who's back to MVP form. Dansby's hitting the fucking shit out of the ball now. He's got three homers in his last two games. You know, Candelario looked great tonight. Really, the two the two wild cards to me, Juice, uh, that if they start to perform anything close to their potential that we've seen, they could, the Cubs run away with this division. It's Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki. I had Stroman in that. And, yeah, and Stroman. I think if those three perform the way we know they can, they've shown they can, the Cubs run away with this division, and it's not even close. We're watching September call-ups in September just because we want to see different guys at that point because they're running away with the division at that pace. So I'm right there with you, man. I really do have a lot of faith in this Cubs team, and I think it's going to make it a lot of fun. It's going to make a lot of fun for us here at Cubs on Tap. It's going to make it a lot of fun for for all the people that listen to us. It's going to be a lot of fun for all the people in our comment section, and a big shout-out to you guys as well. And if you are listening to us and wondering how to get into the comment section, well, first off, go subscribe to the ONTAP Sportsnet YouTube channel. Second off, hit that little bell button. You'll always know when we go live. And then you can join the conversation with us here, just like all the great people like Jeremiah and Scott and Filmmaker12 and Stay Clem have joined us this evening so far, Juice. But it's going to be fun. This team's fun. They've been fun all season. Like, even when they were they were struggling, we were like, this team's got something. Like, They've got all of us hook, line, and sinkered every single night watching these games. They are fun to watch. And I, I I applaud Jed because, yes, he didn't go out and maybe address every single hole, but he addressed some pretty notable ones in the form of Candelario and just adding another bullpen arm. That alone is impressive enough for me to say, look what Jed did. Jed outperformed every GM in the NL Central. And the Cubs were already by expected record. If you if you look in the standings, expected win loss, the Cubs should technically be tied for the third best record right now in in the NL. If you believe believe that statistic, they according to MLB.com and, and all their different statistics, it is expected win loss record based on runs scored and runs allowed. 
The Cubs should have the tied for the third best record in the division. Currently, they have the Atlanta Braves at 66 and 39. Obviously, they're better than that. They're 68 and 37. But then second place would be, the, ironically, the San Diego Padres. They're, they should be 61 and 47, not 53 and 55. And then you've got tied with the Los Angeles Dodgers at 60 and 44. Well, actually, the Cubs are 60 and 47 is what they're saying. Dodgers 60 and 44. But it's the Chicago Cubs, 60 wins this team should have right now. And yeah, they're six wins below that. But guess what? They're above 500. They're three and a half out in the wild card. They're only what? Four and a half out in, in the NL Central now? Four out in the NL Central now? After tonight? It just. It makes you go back to May and you're like, they were oh. ten. They were ten and eighteen in May. Yep. And it's like if you just go fourteen and and fourteen. If you're five hundred, yep. Like you're looking at a team that is probably four or five games up in the division. Hundred percent. Or at least, or at least, you know, within a half game, just like the Brewers are right now. Or at least tied. At least tied. Yeah. I mean, that's what's. It, it's crazy, man. Like, I know, it, and that's what sucks because it's like. Now you got to, you know, make up the time. But I'll say this, man, like that's the only month that they've been under 500. They've been at 500 or over it in every other month. So if they, if they can do that, there's a good chance. I, I said it on the show a couple, what was it last week? 87 wins. They got to get to, to be comfortable with making a, making the playoffs. Yeah. It's possible. It's possible. It's definitely possible. Sit at 54 after tonight's beautiful win. Uh, one quick note here from the comment section, Juice, before I, I kind of turn it back over to you for some final thoughts before we look ahead to Wednesday's game. Um, coming from our friend Scott Crawford here, he says, Cubs record against each division. NL East, they were 8-14. and 14. NL Central, 19-14. and 14. NL West, 9-8. and eight. Interleague, they're 18-17. and 17. So they're above 500 against every uh, everyone except the NL East. And guess who they saw? A hell of a lot of in that terrible month of May, Juice the NL East. You had the Marlins, yeah. you had the Phillies, you had the Mets. You, you had you had 60% and you had the Washington Nationals who they lost 3 out of 4 to right at the beginning of the month. You had 4 out of 5 NL East teams that month when they played really bad and that's the only reason that record looks that way. Otherwise, like you said, even if they played 500 ball, that's probably 10 and 12 or or even 11 and, and 11 against the NL East over the course of the full season. Juice the vibes are high tonight, man. It's what happens after a 20 to nine victory, uh, you know, on the trade deadline day, we get to see the the shiny new toy that is, uh, you know, returning Faceheimer Candelario. Any final thoughts for us juice before we, uh, we go ahead and we preview Wednesday's game, which is, is surely an important one, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, just be ready to play and, and be ready to slug again tomorrow. I mean, this Reds team has have to use so many pitchers out of this bullpen that, I mean, now the Cubs are going to start to get to see these guys, you know, again, and, and that's great. But they got to win tomorrow. They, you, you just have to. Uh, you got to take, you know, two out of three in this series, 100%. You, you just have to. Um, I, sorry, continue. Go ahead. No, I just – I, I completely agree with you, Juice. I, I think the one thing I, I just want to add, Jeremiah here is funny. The comment, remember, twenty to five victory, Ron. Um, 
I, I think the one cool thing that I will add about tonight's game, Juice, was was Candelario already clicking with the guys, mm-hmm. doing the celebration out first base. He's he's already he's dialed in. I, I I have to think, and and I would love to know your thoughts on this, Juice. I have to think for him, this is such a moment of like truly full circle, right? You you come up, you debut in twenty seventeen, you debut following a Cubs World Series for the first time in over 100 years. And, you, you know, you have a little bit of success. He he looked nice in that little bit of time, you know, replacing an injured Chris Bryant in 17. And then all of a sudden he's traded at the deadline, right? Because they're they're in contention and they're they're going for it, right? They're, they're, they're destined to be one of the final four teams again, which is what they ended up being. They're losing in the NLCS. And he's he's dealt off to Detroit. And he, he spends a couple of years there and he develops, develops into a very nice third baseman, right? He, he gets to develop because he gets to play every day. There's no pressure. Um, you know, he, he's, he's having, you know, having fun. He's, he's becoming a complete baseball player. And then he goes to the Nats on a one-year prove-it deal. This, the, the market wasn't there for him. No big deal. He has a really nice offensive season. Now, all of a sudden, he's the hottest batter, hottest bat at the deadline, because of the Cubs getting hot and no Bellinger being on the market and because of the Angels literally going all in and say, we are going to try to maximize the last two months of Shohei Otani in an Angels uniform, knowing he is going to leave in free agency coming this winter. And how cool is it for Javier Candelario to go back to the team where it all started, who's now in a in a playoff push because of some hot play in, in, in the last couple of weeks. Like it's gotta feel so cool for him to because now he's he went from being the trade chip to help the team improve to being the trade chip that's coming in to help the team improve. And I have to think that's really, really cool for him. And I kind of have to agree here with Jeremiah's take. It does give you a little bit of Nick Castellanos 2019 vibes in a way. Obviously, Nick wasn't a cub and then you know came back. But just that, like that immediate, just click with the team because of that history that was already there with him as a prospect with the Cubs for so many years. He was a high prospect for the Cubs too for a lot of years. Now he gets to come in as that veteran, twenty-nine year old. He's gonna bat in the middle third of the order. He's going to be a difference maker for this Cubs team down the stretch. And I have to think that is just if there's one guy that I'm watching the rest of the season, it's Candelario. And that's because he, I think he's dialed in. He's like, I'm playing meaningful baseball for the first time in my career. If you really think about it, the Tigers were garbage all those years he was in Detroit. The Nats were not good this year. He's finally playing competitive baseball. And that's got to be really cool, especially with the team that it, it all started with. Yeah. And don't underestimate the fact of how easy it is for him to step into that dugout. I mean, he played here. He doesn't have to learn where things are. He doesn't have to, you know, find places to eat. He doesn't have to, you know, learn teammates. Like, I mean, he has a couple teammates that he's played with, you know, before in the organization still and guys who he's still close with. I'm sure there's still some front office people from when he was here that he ran into when he got back was like, how you been? It's been forever. I'm back. I'm happy to be back. David Ross was in that. Yeah. Starting a transition into that role in the front office at that time as well. Right. Don't, don't underestimate the fact of like how easy it is for him to pick it up and go. And I also think that that helps him produce quicker than some of these guys. You see it all the time. Somebody makes a trade 
for a guy. They go to that place and they're uncomfortable and they suck, right? Or they don't meet expectations. He doesn't have to worry about any of that. He he knows he can play here because he's done it before. He's been – he's played Wrigley. You know, he doesn't have to go through a week of like, oh, man, Wrigley Field. Because people do that. We've heard it. Yeah. Players, players come in from out of town and they – you know, they stand in the outfield when they're not supposed to be, you know, pitchers who, you know, are, are rushing out the bullpen doors to go shag flies because they just want to stand in a historical landmark. Like, Candelario doesn't have to do any of that. He can walk into a comfortable situation and go, all right, it's time to hit. And that's all he's got to do. And and I, I agree with you, Ron. I think it's a full circle moment for him. And I also, too, I think it's a comfortable moment for him as well. You talked all about, you know, how he was developing in Detroit. He was, you know, given a low-level offer to go play in Washington. Like, now he can look up and go, all right, I'm comfortable here. And if I play well enough, the Cubs may extend me. There's a good chance that if he loves playing here and he's everything that, you know, we think he can be and more, that at the end of the year, Jed just goes, hey, I don't want you going anywhere. Here's a bag. You know, and, I, and and the Cubs could find a spot for him to play. They have two positions going into next year that are very up in the air that he plays. So, yeah, I think this is a moment of I'm in a playoff, you know, contention team. I'm in a place of comfort. And I also know I'm in a place where I can work really, really hard and be rewarded here because it's different when you get traded to a team like Milwaukee. And they are going to use you for half a season and then kick you to the streets most of the time because they don't have the payroll or the bankroll to extend players. It's different here. He could absolutely carve out a spot for the next couple years in this Cubs window and make up for the fact that he wasn't here for the 17 and the 18 teams and, you know, the 19 teams and, you know, 2020 that was, you know, whatever they, they made the playoffs, but to each their own and, and kind of, you know, restart his career back where it all started. Yeah. 100%, man. I, I mean, it's just, it's really cool. I I think it is really cool. So that is, that is my final thought on this one. Cubs win 20 to, to nine or 20 to five, as Jeremiah said earlier, depending on who you believe. Um, Juice, big game coming up here on Wednesday. The Cubs and Reds are back at it again. Um, this time on Wednesday, August 2nd, it's a 7.05 start once again at beautiful historic Wrigley Field. It's a pair of lefties on the mound tomorrow for the Reds. It's Brandon Williamson, the left-hander, 3-2 and two on the season with a 4.48 ERA. He's only made 13 starts so far this season, just 64 and a third innings pitched. Um, but, I mean, overall, hasn't looked too bad. In those 13 starts, he's walked 27, struck out 48. So, again, he's not going to blow you away, but 25-year-old has been pretty consistent here for the Reds so far and for the Cubbies. It is what we hope is a healthy Drew Smiley, the lefty 8-7 and seven on the year with a 450 ERA. Um, last time we saw him, he came in, piggybacked Hayden Wesneski after Hayden's two innings of work and gave the Cubs four innings of work. Hopefully he can go out there and give the Cubs at least five tomorrow, maybe even six against the Reds. And hopefully, just hopefully, that results in another victory. Be sure to join us after that show as well because um, just as Joey went on 
with our uh, Cincinnati Reds fans over or friends, pardon me, over at Late Night Reds. Um, we will have Tim Daniel right here on as a guest tomorrow night with us here at Cubs on Tap, uh, talking a little a little Cubs Reds and, and and what's going on in the world of Reds. It'll be good to get a, a Reds perspective a little bit too, especially depending on how the game plays out. Um, and I know we're really excited about that one. So be sure to tune in uh, and, and, and show some love to Tim Daniel and, of course, to us. We appreciate every single one of you who are watching along with us. Um, Juice, it's post-deadline. The Cubs won. It's a good night. I want to remind everybody, too, before we get out of here, buddy, Cubs on Tap, one of two official Cubs podcasts of the On Tap Sports Network. Be sure to check out our friends over at the Dingers podcast. As Juice mentioned, we did the spaces with those guys earlier this evening. Um, they were live last night right here on the YouTube. If you haven't watched it, go check it out. They are at Dinger Cubs on Twitter and Instagram. You know where to follow us. We are at Cubbies on Tap on Twitter and Instagram. He's Juice on Tap. I'm Loose on Tap. At Joey knows ju- juice on tap, loose on tap, juice on tap, loose on tap. Crack them, lock them, and fuck them. As Mr. Joey Ricotta would say, he's at Joey knows nothing. At Teddy Freddy 270, at Nick underscore on tap, at Bulls guy Rob, our prospect guy. He's been killing it over the last couple of days with uh, plenty of articles coming out. Um, both prospect related and non-prospect related. Well, he uh, he wrote up the uh, Candelario trade article for us on Monday. You guys know the drill. Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks. Blackhawks are going to be fun. Bears, we're getting real fucking close, folks. We're like nine days away from the first preseason game. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to the Bulls. I'm sorry, Juice. I know you're a Bulls fan. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. There. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know. That's fair. You know, it's just one of those things. But again, follow all of our shows as well. Bulls on tap, Four Feathers podcast, Bears on tap, uh, and you'll hear all about that. You'll see Juice and I's ugly mugs over on Bears on tap plenty this season as well. We're joined by our boy Q. Uh, that'll be lots of fun as well. And again, Cubs fans, you know the drill. We're having fun on the north side, but your south side friends probably aren't having fun. So send your <laughs> miserable friends to our miserable friends. And they can be friends. Yeah, and they can be friends and let them be friends. Um, over at Socks on Tap, the boys, despite an awful franchise that they root for, um, do a great job covering the Southsiders over at 35th and Shields. Once again, ontapsportsnet.com, at ontapsportsnet, on all social media, including the YouTube, again, dinger button, the little bell button, so you know when we always go live for all of the shows. Check out what's on tap in Chicago sports juice. It's always a pleasure, buddy. The juice of Loose show back in action again, especially after a comfortable, non-stressful winner like this one. Cubs and Reds are back at it tomorrow for game three of four uh, before they round out this series. And then the Cubs sit and wait for the Braves to come to town over the course of the weekend. Juice, what do you say, buddy? We get out of here. The only way we know how the Cubs on tap. Fuck the Cardinals. Maybe fuck the Reds a little bit tonight, too. And yeah, let's maybe go. A <laughs>